We work hard, we play hard. We are gamerpreneurs. Individuals who have chosen to give up the security of a nine to five in favor of getting to set our own hours, of doing the work that we want to do, and we refuse to give up the hobby that we grew up with in order to quote, grow up. We have learned countless laws of life and sales from the games that we play, and we excel in everything we do. We see the wonder and glory in every interaction. We fit in awkwardly with the rest of the world because they don't understand our quirkiness, and we wear it as a badge of pride. We are focused, clear, and know what we want. We are gamerpreneurs, and we are taking over the world. Hello everybody, Bradford Carlton here. Welcome to the Gamerpreneur episode one. Oh, I'm super excited to have you all here with me. This is, this is kind of a lifelong dream for me to be able to focus on both gaming and business all wrapped into one. It's just super cool. I, I've been an a entrepreneur for about you know, seven years now, I went to law school starting 10 years ago. So it's been a decade since I went to law school. But as soon as I got out, I knew I had to go into business. But I've also been a lifelong gamer. And so in this episode, what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you a little bit about my backstory. That way you can see that I've got a little bit of you know, gamer cred and uh, kind of set up the foundation for what I'm going to be doing in the next you know, rest of the show. Um, my plan is to invite uh, gamers, to invite business people who enjoy gaming and kind of get their story, figure out what it was that led them to where they are. I'm going to, I'm going to get influencers. I'm going to get people who stream. I'm going to get all kinds of just really great people in here to tell us about this, this mesh of gaming and business and how it works for them or how it doesn't work for them, where their success is. And we're going to try to give you as much value as we can get. That way we can show you how you can make money and still enjoy the life of being a gamer at the same time. Because, you know, so I, I mentioned I went to law school. And when I went to orientation, which was the week before classes started, I remember this, this professor, he got up in front of all 500 students in this entering class. And well, maybe it was only like 250, 250 students in this opening class. It was a big old room, this big old auditorium style classroom that everybody was in. And he basically told us that we had to grow up. He looked us all uh, at, I was going to say all in the eye, but it was a big room. He looked at us all and he goes, you know, you're all about to be attorneys. You have to drop all of that kitty stuff. You can't play video games anymore. You can't just have fun and watch TV. You can't go out drinking and you definitely can't say dude. And I was from California. Like I was saying dude every other word, but that's beside the point. He, he made sure to mention that we're not allowed to play video games anymore. And I'm like, say what? Because gaming was my life. I started gaming when I was two years old. I remember my parents would, would just go on and on about how uh, they would take me to a babysitter's house and I would come home and talk about playing Mario or specifically, I was apparently really good at Mike Tyson's punch out. And I would beat their, uh, the babysitter's teenage children at Punch-Out somehow. Um, it could just be the story my parents told me, but I was really good. And I begged my parents for a Nintendo Entertainment System, an NES. 
and they told me no because uh, my, my mom was pregnant with my little brother at the time and they figured they should save their money for another baby as opposed to getting me a Nintendo. And um, eventually I, they had the baby and they saved up a little money to get me that Nintendo. But you know, my lifelong obsession, uh, obsession with video gaming started really before I even remember anything. Um, but I remember that Nintendo. I remember playing Mario and Duck Hunt and Pipe Dream. And my, uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom, even got me the, um, the, uh, the Bible Stories game. It came in a little blue cartridge. It had Noah's Ark and all this. I played a lot of games when I was young. Sesame Street, Ninja Gaiden. And, you know, I was only four or five years old as I'm playing these things. And, you know, I remember getting the Super Nintendo. I was maybe six years old. It was so cool because the graphics was so much better. And this was back when you had Blockbuster and we would go and we'd rent video games. And I remember renting uh, Legend of Zelda, The Link to the Past. And I was just thrilled with this game. I was just enthralled by it and Super Mario World. And I begged my parents for the system and they finally got it for me for Christmas. And, you know, a couple years later, I got my N64 for Christmas and we got the Sega Genesis. And me and my, me and my little brother were playing Mortal Kombat. We definitely were not old enough to be playing Mortal Kombat. Maybe seven, eight years old, uh, nine years old. He was only six and all this blood's flying everywhere. And, you know, got the N64 and we got the PlayStation. And by that point, my parents decided I was old enough at age you know, 12, 13 to be getting my own system. So I had to start saving my own money. And that's pretty much all I would spend my money on when I was a kid was video games and, and uh, players guides. And I, I, honest to God, had no friends unless they were also gamers. My first, my first friend when I was real young, she uh, lived a couple houses down, but she also had a Super Nintendo and we'd go and play video games. Even before that, my next door neighbors, um, owned a Nintendo. So when I was, I remember when I was four years old, my parents, um, I don't know why on earth they would let me do this, but I was four years old and I would say, I'm going to go next door and play Nintendo with them. And they would go, okay. And I would just walk out the front door and knock on the, the neighbor's house and ask if I can come in and play Nintendo with them. And sometimes they would let me. Um, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really hang out with anybody unless they played games too. And so I obviously, you know, back in, you know, back then, nobody really played games. This was, you know, the early 90s. I was born in 86 to date myself here. Um, and nobody really played video games. It was kind of a weird thing if you played games. So, you know, I had a couple friends who also were gamers and they introduced me to the Final Fantasy series. And oh man, that's where my, my real love of RPGs took off. I had Chrono Trigger, but I'll be honest, I think I got Chrono Trigger when I was maybe like, seven or eight and i remember getting into the future zone and getting to the uh the boss where robo um gets like taken and it's just you and luca chrono and luca and i remember being too afraid to play because they were whooping my butt and so i, I stopped playing that game for months just because i like was so afraid of losing that fight uh, but i eventually got into it but you know i got into final fantasy i got in final fantasy 7 and i got eight and with those two, I'm like, man, I need all the rest. So I bought all the rest of them. And, you know, it was just a lifelong obsession until I got to high school. And once I was in high school, that's when I, I tried my first online games. Started with StarCraft and then WarCraft. And I remember um, Final Fantasy XI was coming out and it was online only. And so I, like, I had to... 
I saved up my money, all my allowance money in order to get um, the extra hard drive that you had to attach to my PlayStation because I didn't have a good enough computer to play it online there. So I was gonna play it on my PlayStation. So I got the hard drive, I got the game, and I, was, I set it up and I realized you cannot play an online game with a controller. So I had to get a wireless keyboard. And next thing I know, I'm staying up till three, four in the morning. My parents are yelling at me all the time because I'm you know, dead tired going to class the next day. And it just continued. I played Final Fantasy and then I went into Guild Wars. And after Guild Wars, I got into Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft. And, and really that's where my professional gaming started. I started playing that 2006, back in vanilla. And I was, I was kind of a nervous kid back then because I didn't really have social skills. Like I said, my only friends were other gamers. So I remember, um, this one ray or not one group. I was in a, a Black Rock Depths. It was a dungeon in Warcraft. I was at level 60, and I didn't even have a shield as a warrior, but I was tanking this thing. And I remember my group just like yelling at me, put on a shield, put on a shield. I'm like, I don't even have a shield. And one of the guys, he was like a raid leader. He was on an alt, but he was a raid leader for this major raiding guild on the server. And he's like, here, come into our vent server or Ventrilo and you know, talk to us and we're gonna to explain to you how this works. And I was so terrified of this because you know, my entire life, uh, well, as soon as the internet came out when I was maybe like nine, um, well, when my parents got it uh, when I was nine, um, they told me over and over and over again, don't talk to strangers online. So here's this guy inviting me in. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll join, but I don't have a microphone, which was a total lie. I absolutely did have a microphone. I just was too afraid to talk to these people. And they explained to me why I needed a shield and how tanking worked. And they talked me through it. We walked through it together. And by the end of this dungeon, they're like, man, you're actually a natural at tanking. You really should consider becoming tank spec instead of fury, which I was. And um, they gave me all this great advice. And they're like, you know what? Um, this guy goes, I'm, gonna, I'm going on vacation for a couple of weeks, but when I get back, hit me up and I can actually get you into my raiding guild. Well, long story short, he'd never, he never remembered who I was, so I didn't join his guild, but I ended up joining a different guild. It was a, just kind of a leveling guild. And I got to know people. I was able to talk to them, invent some more. And before I know it, I was their raid leader. And I didn't, had never raided before. I hadn't ever gone through any of these raids. And I was their raid leader. And they're like, too bad, that's you. you know, show us how to do this. And I, I was just terrified of this. And next thing I know, I leave this, this leveling guild because it was a really crappy raiding guild. I leave it for a real raiding guild and I figure I'm just gonna be like an off tank. I'm just gonna do what I'm told. But you know, a month and a half later, I'm now their main tank. I've got the legendary Thunder Fury and I'm now like one of their top officers a month and a half into this guild. And I, like, I just kind of stumbled my way to the top. I have no idea how I got there. But I have all these people who, you know, I feel responsible for. And that was really kind of my first taste of running a business because the guild had expenses in order to buy potions and flasks for people and, and food and whatnot. And, and all these people were looking up to me for instruction during the raid. They wanted to know how to play their classes better. So I made sure I did the research to be able to tell them what they did. And I'm now doing recruiting for this guild as well. So I have to know everybody's classes better than they do in order to tell them you know, what we're looking for. 
And you know, this just continued for several years of being these top spots in raiding guilds where I have to have all this responsibility and kind of know the ins and outs of the business of playing the game. Um, well, eventually I, I knew I was going to go to law school. That was in my entire plan since I was 13. And so I left Warcraft to get into law school. And I found that all of these, these little tips and tricks and tactics I'd learned while running this guild fit in perfectly with making sure I was one of the most popular people in law school. I was class president. I, I nearly had, uh, you guys are going to love this, uh, for the class gift at the end of my third year, because law school is three years, we had to pick what our class gift was going to be. And there was three options uh, that the committee ended up having to vote on. One of them was like a whiteboard to replace one in a classroom. The other one was a bench um, that I think I think we ended up doing the clock, but the second one was the bench, and the third one was a bronze statue of Bradford Carlton because I was such an important aspect of what it meant to be part of that class that it was an, a legitimate option. In fact, the faculty, the faculty advisor on the committee to, who was doing the voting actually voted for the bronze statue of me because I was so representative of my class. But I was I treated law school like a game. It, it was a matter of finding the ins and outs of how the teachers graded, making sure I'd spent enough time to you know grind out the time in order to know what I needed to know. And my third year, honestly, where everybody else was still studying 12 hours a day, just trying to get through with C's and B's, I was spending all my time playing Gears of War with my best friend, doing nothing. I, I barely studied. I, all we did was play video games and hang out because I'd figured out the game. And really, once I got out of law school, I realized, you know, the business of law and the business of all kinds of businesses is just a game. You just have to figure out what the rules are, play it how it's meant to be played, and then, you know, you win. I, I was a phenomenal research attorney once I got out. Uh, before, you know, my, my legal story was this. I um, got out of law school and I actually was intending to go to California to live because that's where I grew up in. But I met my uh, to-be wife my very last year of law school, my very last semester. And she was from Ohio. She was never going to leave Ohio. And my, I was in law school in Ohio. So I had to kind of choose to either leave her and leave behind a potential you know, lover and spouse, or I was going to stay, and I chose to stay. But that meant I kind of had to completely change my life plan in the 11th hour. So I did get a job. I got a job at working for a court, and I started as a lowly law clerk just doing tasks, running errands for the judge. A month later, I was promoted to bailiff. A month after that, I was promoted to staff attorney and bailiff. And then a couple months after that, I was promoted to co-court administrator with a magistrate. Um, and in order to become a magistrate, I had to be a attorney for three years. But my judge wanted to fast track me to the judge track. So she made me court administrator, which gave me all of the powers of a magistrate other than being able to hear cases. So I, you know, five, six months after starting this legal job, I was now at the top, just like I had been when I was in Warcraft in these guilds. Like I, I had no intention of being at the top, but here I was an officer, you know, helping run this business. And my judge ran her court. She, um, 
because of the type of judge she was, she had exclusive control over her court while other courts have multiple judges who run things. But in this one, it was just her. So she had lieutenants and she had a magistrate and I was the other lieutenant. Um, but you know, I reached the top, I was on the judge track and I realized that this wasn't really what I wanted in life. So I left that to go into private practice and I, I ended up at a law firm that did elder law. So I was helping older people uh, prepare to die essentially. And seven months after I started in that firm, I had made so much business for this firm that the partner promoted me to partner. I was a 27 year old partner at a 28 year old law firm. I, I was made, I was younger than the law firm was like it had been around longer than I've been alive. And I was possibly the youngest law partner in the state of Ohio and probably one of the youngest in the entire country. And I had no relationship to that partner. I was not a family member. I wasn't a friend. I, it was really just a job and I was so good at it because I'd figured out the game of law and how to work customers, get customers, work their cases that she just had to promote me. And so I, I'm at this firm and I decide, you know, I, I just can't, this isn't, this, this is just not what I want. Like I, I reached the top again, but it's not what I want here. So I ended up going with my, she was my fiance at the point, that point, um, my fiance and we started our own law practice and we had to figure out the business of starting a business now. And being an entrepreneur is, it's a tough grind. It is a slog trying to figure out how to even get your first customer, let alone how to create a system that will constantly bring people to you. And you know, our first year, we really sucked at it. We had no idea what we were doing and we were doing all kinds of studying and marketing and networking and just nothing seemed to click. And it wasn't until we figured out how to use um, you know, perfectly frank on this, we learned how to use Facebook group posts in order to get traffic. And almost from the first time we did a post, we, we got people to come and before we knew it. So for that first year we had our practice, we had like nothing. We made maybe $7,000 that first year. Our second year, we made more money than most attorneys make like at the top. And we were in the top 10% of income earners in the state of Ohio. In our third year, we decided we were doing so well, we ended up hiring two attorneys. We had three staff members working for us. We were building this giant business. And you know, what happened next was my wife got pregnant and that business basically went away because she was our trial attorney. I was our research attorney. We were doing cases. Um, I was doing all of the research and writing for some of the biggest firms in my town for some of the biggest cases, you know, million, multiple million dollar cases. I think the biggest case that I helped with, um, the, the person who won ended up winning something like $20 million. And it was all because of the brief that I wrote. And I remember that attorney reading this thing and he goes, um, yeah, um, I guess this, this, um, this brief is good. Um, so we agreed that I pay you like 500 bucks, right? Yeah. Okay. Here you go. I'm like, no, that's not what we agreed, but we took it because you know, it wasn't about the money for us at that point. It was about building our, our business and, and finding partners. And we figured this guy was going to send us more business and he did, but he was always a cheapskate about it. Um, he did send us other clients, but what happened was my wife left and we, we really couldn't have the law firm anymore because I was not a trial attorney. I had no interest in going to court. It was never part of my plan to go to court. I was always gonna be a politician and I tried that game. That, that game 
that's a rough game, and I don't recommend anybody get into politics if you can help it, unless you're just completely corrupt. Um, so I, I figured that one out too, and I didn't want to play it. But once she left the law practice and we kind of decided to close it down, we decided that we were just going to go into business. So from there on, I went into online businesses, creating courses and training uh, materials in order to teach people how to start businesses. And because I was a corporate law attorney largely at our law practice and I knew the law and it was just a matter of the, the business aspect on how to set things up and get things running. And so that's primarily what I do now is I help businesses get started and uh, teach them how to run. Um, I like working with established businesses because I'm, I'm really good at finding ways to level off the ups and downs that most businesses have. Um, what happens with a lot of businesses is they'll, they'll make some money and then they'll have this drought where they don't make anything for a little while, either because they're too busy or because they just never figured out how to level off that down period. Um, so I work on mindset and business systems and I've got some great clients right now. And I decided that, you know, my entire life I've been a gamer and that's where I really find my true passion, my true joy. And without that in my life, I just kind of, I get this itch, you know, like if you go too long without gaming and you're a gamer, you just, you just kind of go nuts. So I decided that what I was going to do is I'm going to start this podcast and I'm going to reach out to some of the top gamers out there who have a business model set around their gaming. And I'm going to ask them, you know, what is it that you guys do in order to make money? So... You know, is it, uh, you know, do you just, you know, stream and then pray that people subscribe? Do you sell product? How do you get that product out to people? What is your model? Do you have plans for the future? Um, what, what is it that makes you a gamerpreneur? Now, I know a lot of you out there who are listening to this are gamers, and you're struggling trying to figure out how to get your own business started without impacting your gaming because trust me there were many years there that i wasn't able to play anything and it just drove me absolutely bonkers i'm just sitting there going god i'm so bored out of my mind if only i could just like fire up my super nintendo but i don't have the time what what is it can, that i can do to like get more time back so i can go back to gaming my wife wanted me to spend time with her so obviously that that took a bunch of time too um but, you know, if you're in that position and you want to be able to start a business and you're just like, you're just like so focused on that, that you're, you're, you're going nuts. Like there is a way to do it. There is a way to build a business without spending all of your time building business. I now have a two-year-old daughter. She's, you know, almost two and a half. And I, I'm, I thank God every day that I have her because it gives me an excuse to play video games now. Um, like I get to play all my old favorites on my Super Nintendo with her, you know, Mario RPG and Legend of Zelda. Um, I try to introduce her to the old systems, you know, original Mario and um, games like that because, you know, you need to learn those, those hand-eye coordination skills in order to really get good. And she, she's here, she's two and a half, she's already playing games on the phone. It drives, drives me nuts. I'm an old fogey, I guess. Um, I, I prefer a controller in my hand rather than tapping on my screen, but, you know, that's just me. But there's people out there who do, so I'm going to interview them too. But 
that's what this podcast is going to be about. And I really hope you enjoy and follow along. And, and um, if you have questions, if there's people that you want me to reach out to and, and talk to, please let me know because I really want to make this fun. I want to make this interactive. There's all kinds of ways to make money out there. And, you know, it's not going to be just people who are making their money through gaming. It's going to be people who have a lifelong passion for gaming. I'm going to ask them how they're able to fit in their gaming time with their business. You know, there's tons of movie stars out there who play video games, too. You know, these guys, you know, Dave Chappelle plays World of Warcraft, or at least he used to. I don't know if he still does. And it's so cool that, you know, you're able to play this game and be addicted to it and still be able to do what you also love on the side, too. So that's what this, this is going to be about. And, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to level up your gaming and level up your business all in one. And I really, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm super stoked to be able to do this with you all. And uh, with that, I'm going to tell you all, you take it easy and I'll see you in the next episode.